Welcome back. The Giants got it done. A 31-24 victory in a playoff game. Their first playoff win since, of course, Super Bowl 46, which was technically 2012. So it's been a very long time since the Giants have won a playoff game. And I do believe in every season the Giants have won a playoff game, they've gone on to win the Super Bowl every time since, I believe, 1993. So, hey, you never know. A really fun game, a high-scoring game that came down to the last couple of drives. A great, great Daniel Jones performance. A really good Saquon Barkley performance. You got a great game out of Isaiah Hodgins. Aside from a terrible drop, you had a good Darius Slayton day. You had guys like Dexter Lawrence, even Cordell Flott made a huge play in this game, making big defensive plays. We'll go over all of it offensively, defensively. The Giants, of course, will be at Philadelphia next week. Don't know what time yet or what day, but we'll find that out probably after the Cowboys and Buccaneers game tomorrow night. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like and let's get into it. Actually, I was technically wrong about that. So... They've made the Super Bowl every time they've won a playoff game since 1993. So, of course, they lost in 2000. But, yeah, they made the Super Bowl every time they've won a playoff game. So, if these trends continue, we'll see the Giants in Super Bowl. What is it now? Like 60? 61? I don't even know what it is. But, yeah, we'll see the Giants in the Super Bowl if these trends continue. So, as I said, a great, great performance from Daniel Jones. 24 of 35, 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 17 carries, which I believe was a career high for him. And it makes sense. It's a playoff game. You're going to put it all out on the line, so I get it. 17 carries, 78 yards, 4.6 per carry. Um, Daniel Jones was maybe the best player on the field today. I mean, Dexter Lawrence has a case, obviously, but Daniel Jones was pretty much flawless. And look, Kirk Cousins had a good day as well, but he does not add the rushing upside that Daniel Jones has. So a great performance by him, and it just goes on to prove that, hey, he has a very good chance of being back here next year. Obviously, I don't know what the terms of the contract will be, but Daniel Jones, based on the way he's played and how the locker room has gravitated towards him, and depending on how far this team goes, and especially winning a playoff game, that helps a lot too. But Daniel Jones, I mean, should be back here next year. There's no doubt about that. But then again, you have the money and the salary cap. I don't know how that's going to play out. It's fascinating. We'll see what happens in the offseason. Anyway, Saquon Barkley, only nine carries. That was a little disappointing. He was having success. Uh, 5.9 a carry, 53 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, had the big one to open up the scoring for the Giants. Of course, it was a great first drive. Minnesota went down, had the long drive where Jefferson almost scored. Then Kirk Cousins had the quarterback sneak. He scored, but then the Giants responded relatively quickly, and Saquon Barkley had the rushing touchdown to knock the game up back at seven. Matt Breda only three carries, eight yards, but Matt Breda had a huge play in this game, a third down play in short where Matt Breda ran a sweep and just broke off like two tackles basically and just lunged for the first down. He was able to get it, so that was a big play. Darius Slayton had that one rushing play on the end of the round. Looked like it might have been a negative play at first, but he got three yards out of it. Isaiah Hodgins, a monster game. Eight catches, 105 yards, one touchdown. For a guy who maybe wasn't even on the roster until like October, I mean, he was maybe not even November. I forget when we picked up Hodgins, but he was definitely not here back in like September. So for him to be out here as the leading playoff receiver, 105 yards, that is phenomenal stuff. He was big in this game. 
as I mentioned, Darius Slayton did make some big plays, but also had that huge drop on third and 15, where if the Giants, you know, went on to lose this game, let's say Minnesota scored on the final drive, went for two, or the game went to overtime and the Giants lost the game, you would look back on that Darius Slayton drop and say, that is what lost the Giants the game. I mean, that's pretty much it. They had the Vikings done at that point. If he was able to catch that ball and run upfield for a first down, which he probably would have, the Giants would have pretty much just, you know, kneeled the ball or ran the ball, ran out the clock, and that would have been it. Saquon, another pretty good receiving game, five catches for 56 yards. Saquon was able to break off a couple nice um, chunk plays in the receiving game. And even Daniel Bellinger found the end zone, a nice play design. Bellinger was pretty much wide open. Jones just rolled out to his left. Bellinger was standing there wide open. Jones found him, and the Giants were able to put up seven on that play. And there was even the play where the Giants had a touchdown, but it was called back because of the illegal formation where it was... Um, it was, I almost said Kyle Rudolph, my God. Um, it was Daniel Bellinger and Richie James were motioning at the same time. So they called like an illegal formation. I think the ball was snapped too soon before those guys were even set. And they called a illegal formation. So the touchdown didn't, didn't count. But they had to settle for three. So even right there, that could have been a touchdown drive as well. But just a stupid penalty by the Giants there. But all in all, they do score 31 points in a playoff game. And we know that the Giants have not really been able to reach the 31-point or even 30-point plateau for a while. They did reach it versus the uh, Colts in the last home game for the Giants, but still, we do not see 30 points very often. So for the Giants to go out there and put up 30-plus in the playoff game, yeah, it's against the Vikings defense, which is absolutely atrocious, probably the worst playoff defense you'll see in the playoffs this year or maybe just any year. But still, to do that with this type of personnel, not the best receivers, of course, it's still very impressive. And the offensive line, I mean, it wasn't awful. I think Evan Neal did not have that great of a day. Obviously, he'd had some rough reps in there, but um, outside from him, or aside from him, I should say, it wasn't that bad. I think the offensive line held up pretty well. There were even some plays where the Vikings sent pressure and Jones was able to read it and the offensive line picked it up and it wasn't really that detrimental. Jones was only sacked three times, which is not terrible for 35 passing attempts. I'm sure some of those attempts turned into running plays as well, but uh, yeah, it's not too bad, honestly. Even uh, freaking Kenny Galladay made a contribution despite not having a catch. There was a play where there was a swing pass of Saquon Barkley and Galladay just knocked a corner on his ass. It was a great block, a pancake block by Kenny Galladay. And I saw I saw Saquon Barkley point over to Galladay, and he was probably saying, hey, great block, or maybe just, he probably said something worse than that, like definitely was cursing and stuff. But Saquon was definitely satisfied with that block. So even Kenny G um, made a contribution, which is great. But I do think, honestly, you know, for as well as Daniel Jones played and how well the players executed, I think that Mike Kafka and even Dable, of course, they called an incredible game. I really do think the Giants had a great called game in this one. As I said, I did want Saquon to have more rushing attempts. I thought Saquon had some good success on the ground. But clearly, the Giants had a game plan. Just air it out. And it definitely works against a team like this. Now, when they play at Philly next week... I don't expect Daniel Jones to have 35 passing attempts. When you're in a dome, a great environment against one of the worst pass defenses in football, it's going to be different. You're going to pass the ball more. But you know, at Philly next week, I could see a scenario where Jones has maybe 
22, 23 passing attempts, definitely not 35. So it depends on your matchup, the environment, like what's, you know, what's the weather conditions like. But in a matchup like this, it didn't make sense to pass the ball a lot. So I was wrong. I thought Barkley would run the ball a lot more. I wanted that more. But the Giants were like, you know what? We're just going to pass. It actually worked out perfectly. And I think we've reached a point with this Giants offense where like, we know what they are, but they're also doing a lot more now than they were at one point. I mean, the Giants to start out the year, they were getting these close victories where they would score somewhere in the low 20s or even high teens, and their defense would do a good job holding opponents to like under a certain amount of points. But now the Giants in recent weeks, I mean, they scored 24 on Christmas Eve. They put up 38 against the Colts. The Davis-Webb game, you know, 16 points. I guess that's fine. Then today, 31 points. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this offense is moving in the right direction. I feel like these guys are having more continuity. Of course, you know, Jones being in his first year in this system is getting more comfortable as every game goes on. That's another argument to bring him back next year because, hey, he already knows the system. That's great. And the Giants had a couple of really long drives in this game. There was one in, like, maybe the second quarter. It might have been their second touchdown drive. Actually, no, I think it was the field goal drive. Yeah, it was the field goal drive where they had the illegal formation, but that was like a 16-17 play drive. And of course, when you're playing a team that has a pretty high-powered offense in a dome like Minnesota, your goal is to keep that offense off the field. And the Giants did a great job there. Of course, you would like to have seven points and not three, but to keep them on the sidelines for over half a quarter, I mean, shit, you'll take that. You know what I mean? At one point in the game, this is an Ian O'Connor tweet. So the Giants had 156 yards in nine plays in five minutes and 15 seconds. So their offense right away was cooking. And like we know that like teams will have the first 15, 20 plays or so scripted. And the Giants came out with a perfect game plan to attack this, once again, very porous Minnesota Vikings defense. And Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants, he says the Giants are averaging 18.4 yards per play on the first two drives. I mean, like that, it's pretty much as great as it gets. You can't have it much better. 18.4 yards per play is pretty freaking insane. And then, of course, as I mentioned, there was that drive that took up over 10 minutes. It led to a Graham Gano field goal, and it gave the Giants a 17-7 lead with like three minutes, 30 seconds left in the second quarter. So it's exciting. I'm, I'm just excited to see this team get back to a really it should be a fun divisional matchup in the playoffs I mean I feel like the last time we played Philly in the playoffs it did not go well right I think that was 20 uh, 2008 so yeah that was a rough game I still remember that game I had very high hopes and that was kind of right after Plaxico had the incident so yeah definitely some rough uh, memories there but I do hope we can get Philly and I think there's a shot I really do think there's a shot the Giants win that game the Giants have a formula where they can hang with just about any team. I mean, maybe not San Fran, maybe not like the top dogs in the AFC if they happen to make the Super Bowl, but I feel like a team like Philly, who has not been playing that great lately, you never know. I feel like the Giants can hang around in that game. The Giants' second string and third string guys were able to hang around with Davis Webb as a starting quarterback against their starters. So, hey, you never know. So, yeah, I love what I saw offensively. Um, there's not really much else you can ask for. Of course, there were some missed opportunities because of the like um, the illegal formation and things like that. But, I mean, aside from that, they were pretty much perfect. I think they punted like one, maybe two times at most today. So, not much of Jamie Gillen, thank God. Um, he only had uh, two punts, which, hey, you'll take. And Brian Dable had a couple of uh, situations where he went for some fourth downs. There was the, uh, the Daniel Jones quarterback sneak on the Giants' 45-yard line in the late fourth quarter. Three minutes, 28 seconds to go. 
They pick up that first down. It did eventually lead to the Darius Slayton drop on third and 15, but still they were able to waste more time. You had the fourth and one on Minnesota's seven with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Daniel Jones up the middle two yards again. So they ran a couple quarterback sneaks and they worked out. So there were situations where Dable obviously could have been more conservative and either punted the ball or kicked the field goal in the other situation. But Dable um, has balls, you know, no pun intended there. Dayball, day balls. Um, he gets it done. So he trusts his guys. They got it done. And like a quarterback sneak, it, it feels like it works like 90% of the time. So I have no problem with that play call. I'm happy the Giants went to that because it worked. And yeah, there's just not much bad I can say about the offense. Like even Daniel Jones, a guy that I am tough on and I want the most and I want you know the most out of him like this is a game where if he can do stuff like this I mean I'll have no complaints you know what I mean even I even after the game I went to Twitter and said Daniel Jones played great today blah 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 and of course you still have grown men in their feelings that like quote tweet me and are like oh you're a Jones hater no one cares about your opinion shut up it's like I don't know why people get so in their feelings and so offended about someone's opinion but like they don't even know me either, which is the crazy part. But anyway, like that's always the weird part. I don't know why people get so defensive. Like if someone like I'm a Nets fan, if someone said, hey, Kevin Durant stinks, he's not a, a franchise player. I would just laugh and be like, okay, whatever, bro. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't know why people get so offended, like, with the Daniel Jones take sometimes. But, hey, it is what it is. All right, on to the defense. Um, I guess, like, the most important thing was how they were going to handle Justin Jefferson, who, of course, you know, the superstar wide receiver on the Minnesota Vikings. And he only had seven catches for 47 yards. And this pretty much went, you know, exactly how I wanted it to go. I said in the preview video I had for this game is that, hey, let Jefferson catch the underneath stuff and then tackle him right away. And that's pretty much how it went. I mean, they had a Dory Jackson on him for pretty much the entire game, a lot of safety help over the top. So there were plays where Jefferson was catching some quick curls and he would pick up like five, six yards, but not really any big catches from Justin Jefferson had the near touchdown that wasn't even a long catch itself but they pretty much held him in check for the most part Adam Thielen had three catches for 50 yards I think Cousins dropped a beautiful ball in the bucket to Thielen at one point he had that nice catch and he had that nice catch where he was sliding I think that was a third down play and of course the man that we cannot stop TJ Hawkinson 10 catches 129 yards a lot of big catches over the middle of the field he did not find the end zone but guys like KJ Osborne born and Irv Smith Jr. did find the end zone. The Irv Smith touchdown was annoying because it seemed like nobody knew that the play even happened. There was a guy off sides. I, I think the uh, the Vikings got up to the line quickly. Nobody was set on defense. They just ran it. You know, it was offsides anyway, so it was pretty much a free play for Minnesota. They find Irv Smith in the back of the end zone, back corner. No one was covering him. Gets a three-yard touchdown very easily. And then the K.J. Osborne touchdown, the Giants were in zone. And I think it was either, I think it was Jalen Smith who was completely out of position. Um, someone said it was McKinney in my Twitter replies. I'm not sure who was right about that one. But I think it was Jalen Smith who just completely, like, maybe st like stuck with his man even though it was zone and then just it left the entire middle open so he just dumped it down to uh, KJ Osborne and he had a walk-in touchdown so you know the Vikings had a couple touchdowns where the Giants were just like kind of had their heads up their asses but aside from that I think the defense was okay you know it wasn't awful Dalvin Cook had some success 15 carries for 60 yards I mean it wasn't like the best game on the ground Kirk Cousins had was 31 of 39 which is a great 
uh, completion to attempts ratio, but 273 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. So yeah, it wasn't like an excellent Cousins game, but a very good Cousins game. And as I said earlier, like Cordell Flott made a huge play. I mean, I do want to see more Cordell Flott, and I will give credit to... Um, to Darnay Holmes. I mean, Darnay had a couple rough plays in this one as well, but Darnay did make some plays. He had one in the fourth quarter where he blew up a screen pass. I forget who it was to. I think it might have been on the final Vikings drive. Actually, second to last. Yeah, there were seven minutes, 40 seconds left, and then Cousins like had a swing pass to uh, Dalvin Cook, and then Darnay Holmes blew up the play, so that was good to see. So Darnay, he made some good plays and made some pretty bad ones too, but Darnay was all right. But Cordell Flott in a big situation, it was a third and eight, and he was basically blanketing KJ Osborne. Great coverage. He got his arm in there. He broke the pass up. He forced a fourth and eight. And then, of course, Kirk Cousins, for God knows what reason, just checked it down to TJ Hawkinson, and he was tackled by Xavier McKinney, and that wrapped up the game because Minnesota had no timeouts left with a minute and 50 seconds to go. Daniel Jones, three kneels, Giants win the game. So simple as that. It was nerve-wracking, though. Of course, you know, Minnesota had the ball like a near, uh, around the 50-yard line. They were down by seven. And I said to my friends, I was watching the game with some of my friends, and I said like in the early fourth quarter, this game feels like it's going to come down to a two-point try for the Vikings, and that could determine the game. And I do kind of feel that the, if the Vikings got in the end zone, there was a chance they could have just went for two because like they don't trust their defense. And there's a chance that Kevin O'Connell just wanted to uh, win the game right there. You know what I mean? Like let's say the Vikings somehow like scored a touchdown with uh, with ten seconds left. Like I think there's a chance that O'Connell would just say like, all right. We're going for two. <laughs> like, I don't trust my defense. Let's go for two and try to win the game here because I don't want to go to overtime here because we can't stop the Giants' offense. And the Giants' defense, look, they weren't perfect. I think we know that. They had trouble getting home on Kirk Cousins. They did not sack him once. And, of course, Aziz Ojalari left the game with an injury. It sucks. I mean, I don't want to call the guy injury-prone, but he's been out like three or four separate times this year. It's very frustrating because we know how good Ojalari is when he's playing, but he left the game in the first half, I believe, did not come back. And Kayvon had his hand stepped on. He was not very effective for the most part. He made some nice tackles, Kayvon. He had that great play where he um, he didn't blow up the play, but he made a big tackle on TJ Hawkinson on, on a screen pass. I think it was the final drive or maybe the second to last drive once again. But yeah, he blew up a, a screen pass for TJ Hawkinson. But Kayvon, in terms of like pressuring the quarterback, was not that great. But for a guy like Dexter Lawrence, he was awesome. He was pressuring the quarterback at will. He definitely made Cousins uncomfortable at times. I remember one time he knocked Cousins over by knocking one of his offensive linemen into Kirk. That's how strong Dexter Lawrence is. He pushed an offensive lineman into Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins fell on his back because Dexter Lawrence has that much force. There was one play where it helped the Giants' defense that could have changed the entire dynamic of this game where Minnesota had a 4th and 1 on the Giants' 16-yard line, and the uh, Vikings were down 21-24. to And they were going to go for it, but Minnesota, who they had the quarterback sneak, it was successful, but there was a flinch right before the snap. It was a false start, so they called it back, made it a 4th and 6. They had to kick the field goal instead and, and, and settle for the 24-24 tie. So if Minnesota was able to get in the end zone there and make it a 28-24 lead for them, that could have changed the entire game. That puts a lot more pressure on the Giants as compared to the game being tied, of course. But then, of course, the Giants got the ball back. They found Slayton for 14 yards, Richie James for 11 yards, Hodgins for 19 yards, a pass to Saquon for 10 yards. Then there was that defensive holding call, and then Saquon had the uh, two-yard touchdown to give the Giants a 31-24 lead. And as I said, I will admit that when uh, Darius Slayton dropped that ball, 
I kind of had some bad thoughts because I feel like as Giants fans, we've been in that situation so much where you have a play in your hands, literally, to, to win the game, and the Giants don't make that play, and then they lose the game. Like, we've seen it so many times. There was multiple Evan Engram drops that if he caught the ball, they would have won, but then, of course, they went on to lose the game. There was Darius Slayton drop against Washington last season early in the year on the Thursday night football game where the ball went through his hands in the end zone. And then, of course, Washington came back and won the game. It just feels like every time the Giants have a chance to win the game but they don't execute, the other team comes back and wins. So when Richie James dropped that ball and the Giants had the punt, I'm saying to myself, like, they are definitely, like, they definitely just shot themselves in the foot. And, like, just based on past events, like, the Giants would always lose these games. Now, of course, with Brian Dable everything does feel different and they do tend to pull out these close games but like just based on the past history with this team it seems like when something bad like that happens and a bad drop does occur the Giants do tend to lose those games and then of course Minnesota's drive got off to a good start when the Giants had the punt because Dexter Lawrence had the roughing the passer call which by the way was like bullcrap I mean I know it was technically hands to the face but like my god it's the playoffs like can we not call that ticky tacky stuff like it's so stupid um I don't think it was that bad to be called roughing the passer but then of course you know Minnesota got around midfield there was the big breakup by Cordell Flott and then of course the uh, check down the Hawkinson was broken up by Xavier McKinney and that was the game even at one point like I know he didn't make the play but there was the one play I think it was maybe a third or fourth down play it was one or the other but a, uh, a down the sideline throw to Hawkinson and I, th I think it was fourth down but anyway um Hawkinson made a great catch down the sideline and Julian Love lit him up like he made a great hit but you know, Hawkinson held on to the ball, but there's not much else that Julian Love could have done in that situation. So I feel like even in plays where, you know, the Vikings caught the ball or held on to it or whatever, the Giants were still making the right plays on defense. And there was a play where Minnesota had a touchdown and Kayvon Thibodeau was cl clearly held. I mean, you can see it on the replay. I think it was the KJ Osborne uh, touchdown where he was wide open. I'm pretty sure on that play, Kayvon was really held on that one. And for some reason, it wasn't called. So it's like, all right, like, <laughs> I don't know why they weren't blowing the whistle on that one. But yeah, overall, fun game. I mean, I think the Giants defense has to tighten up some things next week if they really want to do beat Philly. I don't know what the advanced line is. I would assume Philly's favorites by like, I don't know, three and a half maybe or something like that. We'll see what it is. Um, maybe they don't give the Giants that much respect. But I am curious because as I said, Philly has not looked great lately. I think the buy was big for them getting healthy because of course Jalen Hurts came back, you know, last week and he didn't look all that great. They have some other guys just returning from injury. I think Josh Sweat, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. But just the fact that the Giants have a shot to go to Philly and try and knock them out of the playoffs, the one seed in the NFC, that's awesome. Like, I want to be in that situation. I don't want to leave that up to somebody else. So for the Giants to go there and have a chance, it's great. And it's very hard for a team to beat the same team three times in one season. Like, we've heard that before. Maybe it's a cliche, maybe it's not, but it's tough to beat a team three times in a row in one season. Of course, Philly has done that already twice to the Giants. So let's see what happens. I'll have a preview later in the week, and I'm sure once again, we'll find out when that game is. I'm, I think they play games on Saturday for the divisional round. I'm pretty sure they do. So maybe it's a Saturday or Sunday game. I feel like they would put this type of game on a Sunday, maybe Sunday night. I kind of hope not. I'd prefer Saturday night because, like, who the hell wants to go to work the next day? But uh, we'll find out what happens. But anyway, hope you guys enjoy. Enjoy the victory week. It was fun as hell. Great to win a playoff game for the first time since they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy in Super Bowl 46. Anyway, it was fun, and I'll talk to you guys next time.